You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. There is no known cure for Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Symptoms usually begin by age 6, and a progressive muscular weakness continues until the patients are usually wheelchair-bound by age 12. The challenges, though, for those afflicted with this disease is not only physical. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today is Dr. Norbert Widener. Dr. Widener is an Associate Professor of Clinical Anesthesia and Pediatrics at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. Dr. Widener is the Medical Director of Starshine Hospice and founded the Pain Management Group at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital. He is board certified by the American Boards of Hospice and Palliative Medicine, Pediatrics, and Anesthesia. Today we are discussing palliative and hospice care with special emphasis on children with chronic illnesses, specifically muscular dystrophy. I would like to thank you for joining us and wish you a good day. Well, thanks, Dr. Rudenberg. It's a real pleasure to be here. It must be very difficult on a day-to-day basis to deal and work with families and patients with chronic illness. How did you choose this field? I think it really stretched from my interest in pain management. And as a consequence of that experience, I've been asked along the way, the many years here, to consult with a number of children who have painful conditions. It often encompasses many children with chronic disease, uh, as well as some children, obviously, with, who are acutely ill from, from various situations. And that was really the answer there. Could you tell me a little bit about your role as a member of the interdisciplinary team that manages boys with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy? There really are a number of individuals that participate, but my role functions as a pediatrician and a member of of our palliative care team here in the hospital, which also encompasses a social worker, an advanced practice nurse, and soon a psychologist. And our role really is to provide supportive care to families and, and these boys with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy. To me, palliative care, hospice, usually signals end of life. What I seem to understand from reading about the approach at Cincinnati Children's Hospital is a very early involvement. Could you tell me a little bit more about how the palliative care team interacts with the families, perhaps even at the start of care? I would, I would love to say that we're there at the start of care. I would be honest and say that many times we're not. As you might imagine, though, the start of care is a pretty disturbing time for a family because they've just been given this huge hammer that says that their child has a potentially lethal disease. That, in many regards, is, is where we would like to start. But from a practical standpoint, families at this point in time often are not, not ready to listen to or to in, involve palliative care members. And, and as you have described a little earlier, palliative care to many people is almost synonymous with hospice or end-of-life care. But in reality, what we're trying to do is to become involved further upstream. So from a practical standpoint, a realistic standpoint, we tend to become more involved when the child starts to show evidence of decline in physical functioning. And at that point, the, the family has a, a greater acceptance of employing supportive care personnel in the management of their child. Could you tell us a little bit about the philosophy of care that your center offers their patients? Well, I'll certainly let Dr. Wong elaborate a bit on that later when you get a chance to speak with her. But 
as opposed to a multidiscipline practice that sees patients individually and sends notes back and forth. We try to uh, ensure a, a stronger sense of coordination and communication amongst the various caregivers. So a disease such as Duchenne's muscular dystrophy encompasses neurologists such as Dr. Wong, uh, pulmonologists, cardiologists, uh, nutritionists, endocrinologists, many, many caregivers that are um, physician and non-physician. And we'll meet on a regular basis monthly to discuss all the patients in care currently and discuss upcoming uh, potential problems. So we're meeting face-to-face. We're dealing on an individual basis with each of these children and hopefully improving the communication that exists amongst ourselves as well as the family. And then Dr. Wong has a, a nurse coordinator who really tries to manage things from the parent's perspective in terms of um, care coordination. I hope I summarized it this to some degree for you. I think that's been very helpful. I'm going to just pause for a moment to let our listeners know that if they have just joined us, they are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and our guest today is Dr. Norbert Widener, Associate Professor of Pediatrics and Anesthesia at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center and Medical Director of the Starshine Hospice. We are discussing psychosocial aspects of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Can you give us some concrete examples of interventions and successes of palliative care in these children with chronic illness? One example certainly is in the area of uh, communicating with their children. So oftentimes parents are feel a little ill-equipped at times to engage in open communication about potentially life-threatening problems with their son. So they often sort of field questions such as, why am I falling down? For example, in the young boy or in an older boy, it might be, why am I getting shorter breath? And that presents a tremendous challenge for the families. And our, our role at times is to talk with the parents and help them sort through ways and strategies to uh, effectively communicate with their children, uh, often on a uh, appropriately developmental level and as openly and honestly uh, as they feel comfortable. That would be one aspect. Another situation would be in many of the older boys have different symptomatology related to some of the uh, sort of ravages that Duchenne's can provide in a young man, for example, contractures, back pain from their scoliosis or maybe postoperatively from their scoliotic repair, uh, constipation, sleep disturbance. So palliative care in the strictest sense is symptom management for situations that may not have a cure. So in that regard, we would provide advice, perhaps some pharmacologic interventions, some non-pharmacologic interventions in order to manage pain or sleep disturbance, or any of the other symptoms that that I outlined there. I would imagine families of children with chronic illnesses tend to circle the wagons when their child develops an awareness of the differences with their peers. Is this something that you can help them with? It is indeed. And again, the families may do this as as a means of protecting or helping their child sort of deal with problems in a maybe a non-functional way. Our goal then obviously is to again try to stimulate and promote that honest and effective communication that they can have with their children and their children can have with their peers. 
an example of a very interesting and also a very effective manner that, that we were able to, to work with a family is their child uh, every year on initiating school would stand or put themselves in front of the class and, and let the class know who they were, that they had a disease called Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, and that it sometimes caused to, that boy to fall down and prevented him maybe from keeping up. But if those children would be patient, that boy was very much interested in developing friendships and hanging around and belonging. Um, and it seemed to be a very positive way for both the boy to interact with his peers and for the family to interact with the boy and develop a, uh, a strategy to sort of overcome that fact that they no longer physically are uh, able to keep up with their peers. Certainly with advances in medical care, children with many types of chronic illnesses are surviving longer. What are the major psychological and sociological problems that you deal with? How do you help them? Any tips for our listening audience? Because again, pediatricians will be faced with this on an increasingly frequent basis. In terms of psychological concerns, um, the ones that come most to mind for pediatricians and families are, what is this disease? Is there any negative uh, psychological component that this disease is providing for my son or, as importantly, for, the, for other family members, whether they're siblings or, or parents? And we talk about anxiety and depression. The research behind that is, is kind of variable. Uh, but when you realize that um, the challenges, the type of challenges that these boys face, it's not surprising that uh, some boys with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy may be at increased risk for these problems. And likewise, some of the parents as well, particularly moms who have a, somewhat of a, a sense of guilt having given birth to a boy with this disorder, which is translated from her genetic uh, component, that is a, a tremendous stress on the mom. So realizing that those things can occur, helping the pediatrician, one, know that they're, that he, needs to ask, he or she needs to ask about it, and two, help them seek counseling if that indeed is something that the family is, is uh, troubled with. If you have just joined us, you're listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and our guest today is Dr. Norbert Widener. Associate Professor of Pediatrics and Anesthesia at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center and Medical Director of the Starshine Hospice. We are discussing psychosocial aspects of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. What insights have you received from your patients? You know, what have you learned from your patients about living with chronic illness and about facing death? Everybody is very different, and there's not a, a uniform way that one family or one child walks through this journey. What have you learned from the patients? What have I learned? To listen. I think that is really the biggest thing I've learned to do, is to listen. And when I want to start to say something, to learn to keep quiet and listen some more. Because there's a tremendous affective component to this whole process of uh, facing death or end-of-life experiences. And it's often expressed as an emotion. It might be fear. It might be anger. It might be others. And when you see or recognize that emotion, instead of responding, uh, trying to answer questions, really 
address and identify the emotion with a, a statement that might say, you seem very angry about the fact that you're, you're now in a wheelchair where you weren't six months ago. I think that is a fabulous take-home message for our listeners, for physicians in general, because active listening is such an important skill to learn. I would like to thank Dr. Norbert Widener, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing hospice and palliative care for children with chronic illnesses, specifically muscular dystrophy. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. I wish you a good day and good health.